Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Now, Key, someone hands you a plate of ribs. Yeah. You're hungry, but they came out of the oven. You're not eating them? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know that I would question <laughs> you how never, they were cooked. You never assumed that they no, were in I the just, oven. No, I would know if they were cooked on the, on the, on the grill or on a uh, smoker. I would know, but if I'm hungry... You can't complain. Yeah, you're going to eat it. You're going to eat, eat it. it. You're going to eat it. But DeMarco wasn't hungry, and he could choose another meal. He, <laughs> he chose it. He chose yeah, it. he's choosing, oh, it's raining. I want to cook barbecue. No, man. No. And on top of that, you're a brother. You know better than so that. So you just Throw don't have a burger in the fire. You know yeah. better than that. You make something else. You make yeah. something else. You make something else. else. You don't settle on things Jay, like that. Barbecue ribs are not meant to be cooked in a damn oven. Now, okay, how about this? You're in Seattle, right? It rains a lot, but maybe the forecast didn't say rain, right? You're not really paying attention to it. It just rains a lot. You go out, you get, the, you get your ribs. Okay. You're planning. In you're not rain. planning on... on right, and then it rain. starts to rain. You're like, I got these ribs. I'm hungry. What, what are you supposed to do? Teach you something? Move the grill somewhere where it's not Thank rain. you. A little cover? You know, yes. Go buy a little tent. <laughs> they cost like, you know, $40. Build and, then, it up. and then what you'll tell me, then what you'll say to me to counter what I said is move the grill somewhere else. You'll say, well, what if it's a, a install yeah, grill? Yeah, built in. Built in grill. Yeah, built in. You ain't barbecuing them. That ain't barbecue. Who puts – I don't grill ribs. You put ribs in a smoker, smoker and charcoal. Yeah. You don't put it on one of those stainless steel grill yeah, but, things. Yeah, but, I mean, like, you have a whole kitchen built in. If you're an NFL player and you live in if Seattle, you, you might have the whole kitchen built but, in there. But, but, Coach, here, listen to what I'm saying coach, to you, Max. I'm listening. <laughs> you do not – there's a difference here. There's a difference between a barbecue – and a grill, you don't take ribs and put them on a grill. Yeah, okay, but the, but I'm saying what your all the apparatus might be in the same place in a built-in outdoor kitchen. I feel like Max, you put ribs <laughs> no. on, on a, a grill, grill before. No, I feel like yeah. Okay, are so you, you sure? want to put? It's fish? okay if you have. If no, you I, I have I have done tin foil with like salmon on that, a grill. I was that's say, fine. Yeah, you that's okay. Fish, I have done that. You yep. want to do fish? You want to do veggies? Mm-hmm. And no, that's right. And you want to do a pork chop? And that's what. You don't put, you don't, you want to put a steak? Cool. You don't put ribs. Oh, steak on the grill all day. But you don't put ribs on a damn stainless steel grill. Right. You with no charcoals. Oh, God, no. No. If someone hands you a plate of oven-baked ribs, you are eating them. 1,000%. If I'm starving, yeah. I've been to places, like you're describing. Hey, man, I'm starving. I'm eating. And somebody's, oh, we got this left. Or a party that you go to, and you look at yeah. You're like, yeah, I'm just going to eat the Cheetos. I've been <laughs> yeah, there before. On principle? Because the food, it don't, man. All right, I'm going to do this. Next week, I'm going to go to the store, and I'm going to cook some barbecue ribs in the oven, and I'm going to bring them to you. And you tell me what the barbecue rib look like versus some ribs that I get from a oh, smoker and all the different No stuff. doubt what I'm saying is there is I a difference between it. standards and preferences. I prefer. I'm with you with, on right, that, Max. Right, uh, with, with, yes. When it comes to food and maybe some other things, Max, no, people I, have not, preferences I, but not always standards. Yes. You see what I'm saying? Standards like, and preferences I, I prefer are a filet, but I'll eat a shrimp. I mean, I'll, yeah. I, if I'm, I'm going to eat it. Yeah. If you're hungry, you're going to eat it. Yes. You're not going out to the store, Jason Williams, 
in getting a pack of ribs, season them, put them in some damn aluminum foil, and stick them in an oven. I'm not, but he's giving more of the circumstance that you show up somewhere. I'm trying to make an prepared. excuse for yes. DeMarco. I'm trying to make an excuse for him. No, DeMarco knows food. Keyshawn J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join on the Goodyear hotline. Cook it. Um, week three is underway, guys. Yes, that is Last correct. night, Sam Darnold Lit it up. brought the Panthers to 3-0. and here is Sam Darnold with Scott Van Pelt on SportsCenter telling SVP how he's put the Jets' disaster behind him. You know, I have my teammates to thank for that. I mean, the way that they've brought me in and, you know, made this like home for me and, and a lot of the coaches too. They've just, they've done a great job of, you know, making this feel like home. And, you know, that's as simple as I can put it, but it's the truth, man. They've, they've done a great job of just making me feel like it's, it's home and it's starting to feel that way. Yeah, well. He's he's done much. Darnold once he since he's been in Carolina, three games. Looked, All the three games good. look good if, in every last if one. Christian McCaffrey is out for an extended period of time. Now I want to see, like when you have all your weapons and everything is going fine. Okay, you know where you didn't have weapons with, with the, the New York Football Jets. Yeah, yeah, but see, even if Christian McCaffrey's out for a little bit of time, they have a backup running back named Chuba Hubbard mm-hmm. from Oklahoma State. Decent, not McCaffrey, but decent. The system's not going to change. They're still throwing the ball to check downs to the back. They're still having a back on outlet swing passes. They're st- all they're going to do is replace one with the other. He may not give you the same cachet as Christian McCaffrey, but he can still give you some things. Yeah, but if he doesn't give you that type of production, then that makes you reliant more upon the pass game. And that's, that's no, but what- I don't know that he – that's what I said, Jay. I don't know that he won't give you the production. I don't know that. Christian McCaffrey's there as a starter they gave millions of dollars to. This is Chuba Hubbard's first real opportunity to now lead the charge. So you got to think, okay, they're going to still do some of the same things offensively. Sam Darnold understands the offense a little more now. All they're doing is replacing a body for a body. Now, whether or not Hubbard turns out to be Christian McCaffrey totaling up 175 yards from scrimmage and all those sort of things, it could certainly go that way. The problem, though, that you have is this is about, for me, this is about the New York Jets. This ain't even about Sam. Sam showed us exactly what he is. He's 3-0, threw for over 300 yards, two plunges on the ground, touchdowns that would be. This is a Jets problem. And because two, two would-be turnovers, by uh, the way. Would-be, coulda, woulda, shouldas, right? I go to this all the time. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. He could still be a Jet, and the Jets could be looking at if he was good. still with the Jets, would he be doing this, though? The whole thing is he's not with the Jets anymore. Here's what I would say. If he was with the Jets, he would still be doing this, and here's the reason why. Because they could take that second overall pick now, do something else with it, pick up players, get some veteran presence around him, get some receivers and some running backs, and, <clears throat> and build on it because this is Sam's fourth year. First year, I don't need nothing from you. Second year, a little bit. Third year, you need to be t- – kicking on the door. I couldn't do that with Adam Gates coaching me. In my fourth year, I'm doing what I'm doing in Carolina. If you've given me that personnel and a competent coaching staff here in New York, I could still be doing those sort of things. That's just my belief. I mean, I mean, with the number two pick, you could trade down, probably pick up Micah Parsons and something many, else, something many, like that. Many yeah. things. Yeah. The answer is no, Key. No. The, Sam Darnold would not be doing with the, with the Jets. Why is the answer because, no? Because it's not just Sam Darnold. It's this franchise. It's this team. I watched last night's game, and I was miserable as a Jets fan. Watching Sam Darnold shine, 
bothered me. Watching Matt Rule on the sideline, who the Jets passed on because they wanted to try to name his offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin. Oh, by the way, that guy's like the offensive coordinator at Georgia right now. Like, the Jets screwed this up from the beginning right after Sam's rookie year when they were interviewing coaches and they passed on Matt Rule and they passed and they went to Adam Gase. This is no longer a Sam Darnold problem. Also, they had Robbie Anderson, who Joe Douglas has said is his biggest regret as Jets GM is letting Robbie Anderson walk in free agency. So I look at Matt Rule, I look at Sam Darnold, I look at Robbie Anderson, and you could throw in Christian McCaffrey. I know he got hurt, but Christian McCaffrey was available when the Jets took Jamal Adams. So you look at the entire Panthers team, and I just look at the Panthers now as a better run version of my franchise, and it bothers me. And every time the Panthers play this year, I'm going to be reminded of how bad my franchises run. This is not a Sam Darnold thing. This is not even a Joe Douglas thing. Well, that This well, is a Mike McCagnin, this is an ownership, and this is an Adam Gase thing, and we are going to be reminded for years how bad the two years with Adam Gase were. This is uh, that was uh, Evan from New Jersey, disgruntled Jets fan. That's our producer Evan, by the way, for people wondering where where that came out of. And this is, by the way, that is a perfect example of a Jets fan. If you're around the country, you haven't run into many. Mm-hmm. That is a Jets fan. They are being tortured by this franchise. But they could, it could get it could have gotten fixed. It really could have gotten fixed. You use that too to go do exactly what you said. You move down, pick up some stuff, find a Michael Parsons, whatever you need, you start to fill that void with that. You got money in free agency, you spend a little crumbs well, in Evan's free agency. Evan's point is that's not how the Jets yeah, are well, operated. Yeah, well, that's their damn fault. Yes, that's, that's what he's their saying. Fault. So, so but, therefore, you're saying in another world where the Jets are competently run, yes. they could be doing this, he could be doing but, this on the Jets. And Evan and the Jets fans' point is that's not – Reality. I could go back to 2000 when the Jets but, had a Super Bowl <laughs> contending team and we traded Keyshawn Johnson well, for two first round picks. Evan. This is no, not about Sam Darnold. This is about decades of mismanagement. Mishan, Evan, are you, that would be Mishan. Evan, how do you feel about the way Joe Douglas has moved thus far? I think Joe Douglas has done a fine job. Okay. But I think the mistake that he made, and this is not me second guessing because I thought they should have kept Sam Darnold in the first place. I think his infatuation with a quarterback who performed well at a pro day and his infatuation with a quarterback who performed well in a COVID year against terrible competition, I think all of that is going to be what we look back on in Joe Douglas' tenure. He went with Zach Wilson because he was enamored with the arm and he had a franchise quarterback there that he just needed to build around. Keep in mind, Evan, what Bart Scott said yesterday. And this is one of the problems with poorly run franchises. And you just pointed out the many ways in which they're poorly run and the reasons why, the decisions they make. They, If it's year four and you don't know about a guy yet, and you don't have the pieces in place, then you must reset the clock because then you have to make a decision. Do we pay the guy or not? I know about him. I knew about him, and I ain't in the damn organization. But the Jets apparently didn't. What does that mean about them? You can't possibly tell me that you don't have enough data on him. He's been in your program for three years to make a determination if I put stuff around this dude, I think they. I think they he's just, going to be good. Key, I think they did, and they but decided he wouldn't that, that be. But guess what? That damn, that uh, damn determination is wrong. Right? Ding, ding, so ding. That's what I've been saying. They don't know how to make good determinations. No, I'm talking about the one dude that Joe Douglas. He's the uh, he's the one that determined 
along, I'm assuming, with Mike LaFleur and, and Robert Sala and some of the other offensive staff, made a decision on Sam Darnold without putting stuff around him. Right, because they don't have a good plan in that place. No, you can't. You don't know what you're looking at. You're supposed to be able to see that after his third year, you're supposed to be able to say, you know what? If we just had this, this that dude's going to be good. You know how many people prior to you joining this show came on to our show that was highly regarded NFL people that said you don't move on from him, he mm-hmm. can play in this league? Yeah. Highly regarded people, though. Not just guys looking for clicks. It, this is crazy. Keyshawn, J. Will and Max brought to you by Mako. With Mako and their magic, your car is no longer tragic. If life throws you uh-ohs, just say better get Mako and head to Mako.com to get an online estimate today. Bucky, what, what is it that seems different about Zeke? I mean, because I thought everything you hear about him in the offseason, he's in the best shape of his life. He yeah. feels good. I mean, he only had 13 carries. So when you only touch the ball 13 times, you're not going to really get It's kind of hard to get into a rhythm. The latest uh, Cowboys Hall of Famer, Drew Pearson, joins us on the Goodyear Hotline, brought to you by Goodyear, making the plays that move you forward. Goodyear more driven. Drew will be honored at this week's Cowboys game on Monday night when they host the Eagles. Good morning, Drew. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Congrats, man. Me. Congratulations. Congrats, Drew. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I can't- can't wait to get can't wait to get that ring. Put it right there. I've been saving that finger for years. Not getting married and all that. I'm saving it for the Hall of Fame ring. Right Hall there. of Fame. Married to the game. <laughs> Hall of Fame. That's a hard Hall of Fame yes, to get sir. into. Um what have you thought about Oh yeah, very difficult. Very hard. What do you what have you thought about uh yes. your quarterback's performance through the first two games of the season, <clears throat> Dak Prescott? Uh, very impressed with uh, his performance. Uh, he stepped right up, stepped right in, and looked didn't look like he he missed the beat from the injury he suffered and uh, the things he went through in training camp with his throwing arm and stuff like that. Uh, he looked uh, engaged. He looked uh, like a leader, like we expect him to be. And uh, I just think uh, the best is still yet to come for Dak this season as he gets more acclimated uh, to his people around him and to feeling more confident in his ability that he's overcome that injury and ready to move on now. So he, he's very impressive. He's even looking better now than I think he did before he got hurt last season. And that's saying a lot because he was rolling before he got hurt last season. <clears throat> Drew, where are the Cowboys at right now in the NFC? As you look at them, obviously the, the loss on the Thursday night against the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but then they go on the road and get a win against the Los Angeles Chargers and that young quarterback in Justin Herbert? Yeah, it's hard to predict. I think the NFC East is a week-to-week experience for the teams. Uh, It'll shift as far as who's in first and who's playing well and that type of thing. Uh, The best thing about the Cowboys going into San Diego and winning that game is holding them to 17 points. We haven't seen that level of points held by the Cowboys defense in quite some time. So that's a big improvement right there. And the difference is with the defense, it's basically the same players. The difference is, yeah, they brought in a few like Micah Parsons and people like that. And he's playing very well, by the way. Uh, but the difference is attitude, accountability, 
players wanting it, getting after it, knowing that if they don't do their job, they're going to have to answer to somebody. Uh, in the previous past, uh, they didn't have to do that, apparently, because they kept making the same mistakes over and over. But now they have to be accountable, and I think that's where the big improvement for the Cowboys will be on the defensive side of the football. And if we can get some momentum going into this game uh, Monday night and win that game and now be, come, be uh, get in first place uh, in the NFC East, uh, then we'll see how that plays out <laughs> next week. Because, like I said, it's a week-to-week uh, proposition in the NFC East. But Drew, way, said, real quick, Drew mentioned San Diego. I still do that. It's the, it's now the L.A. Chargers. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, we I knew what he was talking about. Oh, yeah, I'm too. sorry. Yeah. No, yeah, you no, got no, it, Drew. Well, it's they, all they good. Change it. If they want to change the name, change the uniforms. There you, you go. Those uniforms, you say Chargers, right? <laughs> I still call them San Diego, yeah. Drew, I was going to say, speaking of Monday Night Football, Eagles – uh, Cowboys, obviously, heated rivalry. Nick Sirianni, the head coach of the Eagles, wore uh, a T-shirt that said Beat Dallas on it. Can you kind of describe about the intensity of this type of rivalry? How does it feel to play in a game like this? It feels awesome. You know, through the course of a season, you know, 16 games, Keyshawn, you'll know this. You know, it, it's hard to get up for each and every game. So you appreciate games. Games like when you go against your rivals, especially in the NFC East, because those games are easy to get up for. And you get highly motivated to play those games because you know the intensity level is going to pick up because they're your rival. They're trying to beat you to win the NFC East, and you're trying to beat them to win that NFC East title. So when you play those games, it was easy to get up. When I traveled to Giants Stadium, played the Giants, man, I'm high. I'm riding. Coach Landry knew it. I'm from South River, New Jersey, 20 minutes down the turnpike, and he knew I was going to be ready for that game, and I would get more opportunities because of that in those games against the Giants. Then you go down the freeway, uh, the highway or turnpike, they call it up in uh, Jersey, uh, to Philadelphia, and that rivalry is intense. You know, those Philadelphia Eagles fans hate the Dallas Cowboys. They think their fans fans are the blue-collar fans. They think our fans are the white-collar fans. So that kind of adds to the rivalry and intensity of the rivalry. Then you go a little further down I-95, then go to D.C. and Washington Redskins. And you go into FedEx Stadium, and they're going crazy to try to beat the Cowboys. So it's an intense uh, division, and every time you play those games, it's easy to get up for those teams. And now you expect to have – uh, knockdown, drag-out type battles because their intensity level is going to rise as well, and it's up to you going into those places. And even if they're coming into uh, AT&T to play us, their intensity level is going to rise, so you got to raise your intensity level to meet that if you want to have any success out there against these teams. Drew, what are, what are your expectations Monday night for you and your family as you're sitting in the middle of Jerry's world getting honored as a member of the Dallas Cowboys, member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, what what do you what are your emotions going to be like? I'm gonna make sure I have have some of this right here. You see that? That's tissue because I'm gonna be crying. Okay, <laughs> you know it's gonna be it's gonna be very emotional. And uh, this is a moment I've been waiting for, and it's even a, a better honor in accepting this ring and uh, solidifying the final piece that solidifies you in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, that's that uh, Hall of Fame ring. But the fact that we're going to have the ceremony with Cliff Harris, a free agent who, you know, who motivated me to sign with the Cowboys as a free agent, and then the great Jimmy Johnson as well. He'll be honored at halftime as well. So uh, it's going to be special to be honored with those uh, other guys. But this is about me. It's about my family. 
and uh, my teammates that I played with with the Dallas Cowboys. So I had figured the emotions are going to be very high, and at the same time, the excitement is going to be very high. And what I'm hoping is that this will be a motivation for these Cowboy football players to go out and beat these Eagles. So don't give me my Hall of Fame ring if you're going to lose to the Eagles. All right. Give me my Hall of Fame ring with a victory as well. And hopefully that will happen Monday night. That's awesome. I mean, congratulations. And also, when you were going, when you were taking us down I-95 and 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 taking team by team it just goes to show where when the NFC East is awful it's been awful the last couple of years but still they're competitive within the division even if the rest of the league's beaten up right. on the NFC East those NFC East games are somehow always competitive yeah and you know looking last year you didn't have to have a winning season to even make the playoffs in the NFC East and a lot of that is because the teams beat each other up you know through the process of a, a, a season. So, yeah, it takes a lot out of you when you play against the Philadelphia. It takes a lot out of you after you play against the Redskins or the Giants because you get so emotionally built up for those games. And now after you uh, play those games, you got to come down from that. And if you win or lose, no matter what, you got to get ready for that next week, that next game. So right. it's very emotional. And uh, I loved it. I loved playing in those areas. My, my family used to travel up and down the uh, – the East Coast to watch me play in those uh, stadiums, and that gave me extra motivation as well. Well, you're trying to give the Cowboys extra motivation. Now, congratulations on the Hall of Fame induction. Congratulations. Uh, I mean, that that's just that's probably Thank the you. hardest Hall of Fame to get into in professional in major American professional sports, yeah. I think. That's an amazing accomplishment. Absolutely. And that's Drew Pearson on the Goodyear Hotline. Thank you, sir. Keyshawn. Um, Congrats, Drew. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jay Will, Keyshawn, and Max. Thank you, guys, for having the original 88 this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Keyshawn uh, versus the Eagles with the Cowboys. He had 20 catches, 213 yards, a touchdown in four games. That's what it says right here. Hmm. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. You know anything about college football? It doesn't always end up the way everybody thinks it's going to go in September. That's why you play the games. I just want to be victorious. Playing in Soldier Field, we're excited about that. This game is hell, but that right there is worth every ounce of hell you go through. college football, every game is going to be a battle. That's just one of the things that makes college football unique. 
Sean J. Will and Max, Desmond Howard is with us, brought to you by Eckrich Smoked Sausage, the real MVP of any tailgate. Pick it up at your local grocer. Desmond is in Chicago for Notre Dame and Wisconsin. And College Game Day is live from Chicago, Saturday, 9 a.m. Eastern on ESPN. Good morning, Des. Uh-oh. Then we got some mic issues there. Uh-oh. No, see he's it. coming in. He's coming in. Soon. There he is. There, there he is. is. Oh, can they hear me? Oh, I got yeah, you now. I got you. Is it, is it like a delay or something? Okay. Why, is you, it, look, why is, you look like you cold, Yeah, man? is it cold there already? Um, no, it's not cold. Why do I like a cold? Because I got on the scarf? I mean, gee whiz, <laughs> scarves are, are fashionable, bro. No, you gee just look bold. Hold on, you too. Hey, we know hey, if I have the overcoat, up. I look bundled up. I, look, I like being swaddled. <laughs> He's not sweating or anything. Too. I, I think like it is cold. Oh, Des, who needs this win more, oh, Notre man. Dame or Wisconsin? Oh, well, you know, that's a good question, Max. I would say probably Wisconsin simply because they already got a blemish on their record. They lost uh, up in Camp Rando against Penn State at the beginning of the season. So they're um, one and one. They need a big signature win. Obviously, it's a neutral site game, but it's still, you know, on the road per se for them. I think they need it. Obviously, Notre Dame, they're undefeated, but they haven't looked great. And, it, it, you know, so the expectations for Notre Dame, they, um, they haven't reached those heights yet. But I would just say Wisconsin. When you got Graham Merce, the quarterback, don't forget, guys, last year he started off the season on fire. Like his first game, he almost pitched. A perfect game. Had one incompletion, five touchdown passes, no interceptions. This year, no touchdown passes so far, a couple of interceptions. So I just think perception-wise, Wisconsin needs this win. Like I said, already got a blemish on their record. To, to be able to come here in Chicago and take on the Fighting Irish, who, whether you like it or not, they're undefeated, would be a, a, big, um, a big boost for the Wisconsin Badgers. So I would say that the Badgers – need this win a little bit more than Notre Dame. Des, what do you make of the struggling powerhouses in college football? The likes of Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, and the USC Trojans. Don't answer the USC one, though. So why ask? <laughs> why why do you ask? He can't help himself. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, Key, listen. Two of the three, two of the three are really starting, um, you know, new quarterbacks. Obviously, Clemson's. DJ, uh, he, he, he's played last year, but, you know, to be to get the keys to the bins for the whole season is different than coming in and just, you know, spelling the quarterback for two games because he's hurt, which is what happened last year when Trevor Lawrence got hurt. So now you know that this is your team, this is your offense, then the expectations are a lot greater. And then you look at Ohio State, too, C.J. Stroud, the freshman quarterback. So you're looking at some young quarterbacks, not a, not a lot of experience. The offenses have been struggling. And then we saw what happened to Clemson's offensive line. Now, guys, check this out. So Clemson played Georgia, right? So we're all like, oh, man, Georgia, they got one of the best defenses in the country. Okay, so that's why they did what they did to Clemson's offense. But then when you see the same thing happen with Georgia Tech, they like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. This is incredible. What's going on with this offense? So I think that offensively, you look at the Tigers, their offensive line got to get, get much better. They started two freshmen earlier in the season. So there's a lot of inexperience there. And then when you look at Ohio State, you know, C.J. Stroud just never really, to me, caught his stride into the second half of the games in which we've seen him play, whether it's the Minnesota game or the Oregon game. 
that's when he seemed to really uh, catch his stride. So I would say the struggling offenses. Now, the one that's a surprise is Oklahoma. That one is surprising me because I didn't think their offense would look the way it's looked. Obviously, Oklahoma's had defensive issues for years. They're looking a little bit better. They're still undefeated. They're going to have a big game tomorrow, tomorrow night against West Virginia, though. Des, tell me, what's wrong with their offense? What are you seeing? Which, which team are we talking Oklahoma. about? Oklahoma. You say Oklahoma. Oklahoma. You say you're worried about their offense. Yeah, what's wrong with it? I guess because, you know, Jay Will, what happens, and, you know, you, you know this better than most, and Keyshawn Will, once you've had, like, a really good, you know, season, then the next season the expectations are, are greater, and they expect you to take a, a leap. And I just think that offensively, you know, they haven't looked great. You mean to go out there and struggle the way they struggled a week ago against a Nebraska team that, you know, a lot of people put them out to pasture. Like, they're not even talking about the Cornhuskers no more, but the Cornhuskers came out there punched Oklahoma in the mouth, and they got into like a four-quarter brawl. And, you know, they didn't respond well. They ended up winning the game by a touchdown, but it's not what you expect from um, the Oklahoma Sooners. You got Lincoln Riley. You know, he's an offensive guru, a brilliant offensive mind, calling plays and designing things against defenses. And they did not perform against a Nebraska team that you would think Oklahoma's offense has much more talent, that, you know, that they can out-athlete the Cornhuskers defense, mm. and they weren't able to do it at all. So I'm really curious to see now how they're going to match up against a West Virginia team that's coming in there with a tremendous amount of confidence from the game that they played a week ago against Virginia Tech. Des, I want to go back to your game day game that you guys have this weekend. Obviously, huge game, Notre Dame, number 12 in the country against Wisconsin, number 18. Wisconsin, six-and-a-half-point yep. favorite in this ball game. What kind of challenges is it going to be for Jake Cohn to come back to Wisconsin where he left to try to get this win on the road? Yeah, that's a good question because I think emotionally, you know, he's going to be a, he's going to be a mess. I think he's going to be a mess initially because he, he's playing against some guys who used to be his teammates. I mean, guys that he used to go to battle with every time they took the field up there in Wisconsin. So now he's going up against those teammates. But then the flip side is he's also going up against a coaching staff that he probably feels as though didn't have as much confidence in him, which led him to Notre Dame. That's why he transferred from Wisconsin. So I think it's like bittersweet. You know, you want to go out there and prove that, you know, you're better than Graham Mertz, the quarterback that they chose to be their starter, and go out there and handle your business. So he wants to, you know, have a great game. But emotionally, he got guys out there who were his friends, who he used to hang out with, who he used to go to battle with. So it's going to be an interesting mix. But once the dust settles and you get, like, those first snaps under your belt – it's all about execution, all about seeing what they're trying to do to defend you and then trying to go out there and handle your business. Desmond, before we let you go, Penn State's win over Auburn is the celebratory moment of the week brought to you by Allstate. Save money like a champion with Allstate. Championship yeah. savings for the win. After that win, where is Penn State? They've yeah. beaten two ranked teams in the playoff conversation. Hey, Max, I tell you what, I, I like this Penn State. I liked Penn State coming into the 2021 season. I, when we were on game day, I actually picked Penn State to beat Wisconsin because I thought they would be one of the most improved teams from a year ago. I saw the uh, Big Ten media days, and when I watched the Penn State players speak, they talked about what happened a year ago. Don't forget, they started out 0-5, like five L's in a row. But then they finished the season with four wins. And it told me about how resilient this team was and what they looked forward to coming into the 21, 2021 season. 
So when I listen to guys like Jahan Dotson, the fantastic receiver they get, talk about their mentality coming to the season, I say, you know what? James Franklin got these guys ready. And they're coming out to make a point. They're going to try to make a statement and prove that. What happened a year ago, forget about that. That's not who we are. You know, and that's their slogan. We are. So what they did is they had like, every opportunity they get, they're going to take full advantage of it. Really impressed with Penn State. They won that game. And I don't know if you guys, like, watched it, but they won that game despite some horrendous officiating. Like, I couldn't believe that some of the calls that those officials made in Happy Valley. So, but they handled their business. James Franklin's group was a resilient group. They stay focused, and I like where they are right now as far as the uh, college football playoff conversation is concerned. Great, Desmond Howard, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, Des. Appreciate it. All right, Des. Swaddle yourself away, Thank brother. You Thank you. Yeah. We're going to be sweating that in a minute. College football is back. Tune in tomorrow night as Florida hosts Tennessee, presented by Dr. Pepper. Coverage begins at 6.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Have the Cowboys put the D back in Dallas? And one NFC East team that should be concerned about it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot unsportsmanlike. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. Key, is the Cowboys defense good enough to win the NFC East now? By themselves? <laughs> well, they're going to have to score some points well, on the offense, you, I think. Well, the way you said it, like, yeah. are they good enough to win the NFC? Yeah, I think they're go- they're getting there. They're much better than they were a year ago under Dan Quinn. There's no question about it. They're missing Lawrence, one of their key members on the defense. You know, Jalen Smith is there. If they could, if, if Michael Parsons, Parsons can continue to do what he's doing, and then I, I never get his name right, Vander Esch. Vander Vander Esch. Esch. Vander Esch. If he can stay healthy. He and Jalen, they were supposed to be this amazing Injuries, linebacking man. 
But Jalen Smith's been okay. But the it's two just of them the were supposed injuries, to be though. like, oh my God, like what the Bucks have well, now no, is supposed what to happened, be them. What happened is Vander Esch. Esch. Vander, I don't know why I don't call him something else. Vander Esch got off to a hot start coming yep. out of Boise. Yep. Ah! And everybody went crazy. You know how that go. Yep. Oh, is it going to be the greatest? Luke Kinkley again. Oh my God. This is, he reminds me of Dan Morgan. He looks just like Zach Thomas. Oh my God. Oh, is this another Erlacher? It's like, man, slow down, man. Yeah. Do it for a little while. Just slow it down. He had two seasons. Relax. I was going to say that the Cowboys' run defense has been exponentially better this year. right? I mean, last year, they gave what, the second most yards in the NFL. I mean, this year, it's like, what, 73 or something like that per game. So when you think about this matchup, when you go against a guy like Miles Sanders, if you can contain him, then all of a sudden you make Philadelphia a little bit more one-dimensional. But I think that – it speaks volumes about where this defense is right, and why they're progressing in the right way. Miles Sanders can play. Yeah, he can ball. It was obvious from the very beginning. As soon as he started touching the ball, you're like, oh, you know what? They got something yeah. there. In the defensive side of things for the Cowboys, you mentioned last year the way and how awful they were. The year before that, that same personnel. So it's very difficult, as you know, Jay. You switch from personnel to fit a scheme. When, when that scheme and that personnel is not there for that scheme and you try to take that personnel – and drop it into that scheme and run something totally different, that's not the case. They're running basically what they ran two years ago because they got the same personnel that they had two years ago. The only the difference is they have a competent defensive coordinator that knows how to get things done. And so this is what you see. This is why the defense is getting better. And Keo, I was going to say to add on to that, you know, the, the more that the run defense continues to progress in the right direction is the more plays that all of a sudden Jalen Hurts has to make with his feet, Right. And that allows guys like Randy Gregory, Micah Parsons, like that's where they need to convert those pressures into sacks. Like that, that's where their next step is for them defensively. Mm-hmm. Getting pressure on the quarterback and actually making it pay. Exactly. Making it count. Two teams that were uh, being picked as dark horse Super Bowl contenders actually play this weekend, and one team is going to be one and two. So before the season, oh, he might win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Meantime, one of them going to have a losing record, you know, presumably, unless there's a tie. What do you guys think of Buffalo versus Washington? You know, what do you expect to see from the from Washington's defense against Josh Allen? What's Josh Allen? Washington's Allen's defense key. MVP. Your favorite defense? No, not my favorite. I know defense. that's. I'm being sarcastic. Um, <laughs> I think that Josh Allen will continue to show exactly what he did against Miami. I, look, Washington has a good defense, but we take the Jack Del Rios and Ron Rivera in what they did last year in a, in a pandemic situation, could have won the division if it wasn't for, you know, whatever, uh, uh, should have won, should have not won the division. The Giants should have won the division, but the Eagles kind of laid down in the end. We look at that and we go, this defense, Chase Young, oh, my God, oh, they're going to be. What about the secondary, though? What about the second wave of defense? Yeah, their front, their front seven for the most part does create problems and cause havoc. But when you look at where they're at this season opposed to where they are where we're at last year, it's a totally different defense. This is not but the last same year you're acknowledging defense. that last year. I thought they were the best defense in football last year. And you so you're not saying they weren't great last year, but you're saying they were extenuating circumstances, a pandemic. They were they, were they were a good defense given the situation. They were not a lights out defense. Lights out defense means Everybody's kicking field goals. Who was better for them? Who was better than the Washington defense last year? I thought they. I thought if I had to pick a defense, Man, I'd know, have taken ta- them. Steelers ta- defense. Ta- Tampa really Bay's good. defense was ridiculous. Steelers were really good. The Steelers Rams really good. was off the charts. Yes, it was. Yeah. 
you know, Steelers, I said that right, Steelers defense was good. Yep. Rams was off the chart. As, as, as weird as it may sound, New England defense wasn't bad, even though they didn't have nobody. So the Indianapolis coach defense was good. Mm-hmm. Seattle's defense was up and down, inconsistent. Out of all those teams, I hear Steelers. You mentioned someone else who I thought Bay. last year was on that level with Washington. This year, it's obviously different. But last year, Washington had a very good defense. So when you look at Josh Allen, you look at Stephon Diggs, and, and you look at, at, at uh, what they did against Miami, they're going to carry that against Washington. They're going to do the yeah. same thing. They're going to they they get at them. That's what I, I would get after the sec- secondary, right, guys like Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, let them attack. I, I still do think that the ceiling for the, Buff- the Buffalo Bills will be how their running game continues to progress. Because last year, Josh Allen ran for a ton of yardage. And I know it was a I don't weapon. want him running. That, exactly my point. Like, Devin Secondary has been better this year, six and a half yards per carry, but you need to see that continue to progress. But, Jay, I want to ask you, and we don't have a ton of time, but I want to ask you big picture. A lot of people before the season took Josh Allen. He was a sexy MVP that was pick. That my pick. Right? That was my pick. That was Some your Some people, pick. that's me. So, it can Josh yeah. Allen be an MVP? An MVP caliber player wins a game like this. Like, yeah, right? They win be. a game like this. Are you taking Buffalo? Yeah, I'm taking Buffalo in this game. And Josh Allen starts to get his season on track here? <laughs> That's not how I make my face, Key. That's not how I make I, Josh Allen got on track against Miami. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 look, I, I don't jump out and all of a sudden, I know we like to do these crazy predictions after week one. And obviously, there was some concern a little bit about Josh Allen. But, look, you find your rhythm. It's about where you are after you go through the war of attrition and you see where you are after a couple weeks into the season. If Josh mm. Allen can even do what he did last year, very few players ever went that got that much better year over year. It was never really accurate until last year where he was really accurate. If he can do that again, the one quarterback that will see their stock rise the most mm-hmm. in week three, who's that going to be? That's next. We all make our picks. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. 